Welcome back to Roshcast for episode 17. Remember, we're doing a high-yield, topic-based, rapid review of all the material we've covered from episodes 1 to episode 15. This is part 2. It's a continuation from episode 16. In this episode, we'll review H-E-E-N-T, hematology, infectious diseases, musculoskeletal, and neurology. Let's get started with H-E-E-N-T. What's the target pH for eye irrigation after a chemical burn? Target pH is 7.0 to 7.2. Remember that alkali burns usually cause more damage than acidic burns due to liquefactive necrosis. Awesome. And what are the classic symptoms of acute glaucoma? Acute glaucoma classically presents with a red painful eye, blurry vision, and asymmetric pupils. And if someone were to present with these exact symptoms, what immediate management is indicated? You should begin treatment with a topical beta blocker, a carbionic anhydrase inhibitor, steroids, and myotics. And sticking with eyes for a second here, what antibiotics are used to treat corneal abrasions? Corneal abrasions should be treated with topical antibiotics such as erythromycin or ciprofloxacin. Tetanus vaccine should also be updated if needed. All right, now we're moving on to the ear. What are the three most common bacterial causes of acute otitis media and which antibiotic should be used if you are treating a presumed bacterial cause? Strep, Haemophilus, and Moraxella are the three most common bacterial causes of otitis media. Don't forget that viral pathogens are far more common. If treating with antibiotics, the first line is typically amoxicillin. Changing it up a little bit here. An ACE inhibitor-mediated angioedema, an accumulation of which peptide leads to swelling? Angioedema secondary to ACE inhibitor use occurs because of a buildup of bradykinin. Don't forget that in addition to the perioral swelling that we're all familiar with, an accumulation of bradykinin can also lead to GI complications. And along similar lines, which protein is deficient or dysfunctional in hereditary angioedema? Hereditary angioedema is caused by a deficiency or dysfunction of the C1 esterase inhibitor. Episodes are typically precipitated by stress or trauma. And lastly, what's the treatment of an episode of angioedema in patients with hereditary angioedema? Well, if available, treatment is with replacement of the C1 esterase inhibitor. If it's not available, FFP can be used. The next topic we'll dive into is hematology. I'll start us off. What is the treatment for TTP? TTP is treated with plasmapheresis. If plasmapheresis cannot be performed expediently, FFP can be used as a temporizing measure. What reversal agents are used for life-threatening bleeds in patients on warfarin and in patients on aspirin? For any patient on warfarin with a life-threatening bleed, FFP, prothrombin complex concentrate, or recombinant factor 7A should be given. For a patient on aspirin with a life-threatening bleed, DDAVP should be given in addition to platelets. List the most common predisposing risk factors for DVT. Predisposing risk factors for DVT include malignancy, immobilization, recent surgery, obesity, smoking, oral contraceptives, recreational drugs, and hypercoagulable states. Chronic alcohol abuse leads to which type of anemia? Well, ethanol suppresses the bone marrow, which leads to a macrocytic anemia and even pancytopenia in severe cases. Which type of anemia do patients on a long course of isoniazid suffer from? That would be a sideroblastic microcytic anemia due to the pyridoxine deficiency. Perfect. And what type of anemia is associated with the vitamin B12 deficiency? A vitamin B12 deficiency would cause a megaloblastic anemia called pernicious anemia. It usually occurs secondary to absorptive problems rather than poor dietary intake. What are the common presenting symptoms in giant cell arteritis? 
Giant cell arteritis commonly presents with unilateral temporal headache, jaw claudication, tender temporal artery, and even sudden painless monocular vision loss. The ESR is usually between 50 and 100, and 50% of patients with giant cell arteritis will also have polymyalgia rheumatica. And what's the treatment for giant cell arteritis? Well, giant cell arteritis should be treated with immediate steroids long before the biopsy has confirmed the diagnosis. In giant cell arteritis, what cardiac complications can occur? In giant cell arteritis, aortic involvement can lead to valvular disease and even dissection. Excellent. What's the inheritance pattern for hemophilia A and hemophilia B, and which factors are deficient in each? Well, both hemophilia A and hemophilia B are X-linked recessive diseases. Hemophilia A is caused by decreased synthesis of factor VIII. Hemophilia B, or Christmas disease, is caused by decreased synthesis of factor IX. Treatment is with specific factor replacement if it's available, and if it's unavailable, you can use cryoprecipitate. All right, that wraps up hematology. Let's move on to ID. What's the antibiotic of choice for a new mother with febrile mastitis, and what should you instruct her to do about nursing? Well, for mastitis, mothers should continue nursing from the affected breast, and dicloxacillin is the antibiotic of choice. And who needs prophylaxis for Neisseria meningitidis exposure, and what type of prophylactic regimen should be prescribed? Prophylaxis for Neisseria meningitidis should be offered to high-risk contacts, which includes household members, school contacts in the prior seven days, and those with direct exposure to patients. The preferred antibiotic regimen for prophylaxis is a two-day course of rifampin. Ceftriaxone and ciprofloxacin can also be used, but they are slightly less effective. And in a patient with fight bites, which antibiotic is typically prescribed and which bacteria are we specifically targeting? In fight bites, we're concerned for iconella contamination. Amoxicillin clavulinate is the oral antibiotic of choice. For IV antibiotics, you can give ampicillin sulbactam, cefoxitin, or piperacillin tazobactam. All right, the next one's kind of tough. Describe the classic sputum colors for patients with first strep pneumonia and then Klebsiella pneumonia. Strep pneumonia is classically associated with the rusty colored sputum, whereas Klebsiella pneumonia is associated with a current jelly sputum. Don't forget that in alcoholics, common things are common, and strep pneumonia is still the most common bacterial cause of pneumonia. However, the incidence of Klebsiella pneumonia is higher in this population because of the increased risk of aspiration. All right, we're moving down the body a little bit here. Compare the three painless penile lesions caused by chlamydia, Klebsiella, and then syphilis. Well, first you have the shallow ulcer of LGV caused by chlamydia. Next you have the beefy red ulcer and painless papule of granulum inguinale caused by Klebsiella. And lastly, of the painless chancre of syphilis, which is caused by treponema pallidum. Great. And what about the two painful penile lesions caused by H. ducreyi and HSV? Well, H. ducreyi causes chancroid, which typically presents with multiple painful papules that ulcerate. HSV causes genital herpes that tends to present as tender, shallow penile lesions. Perfect. And what's the treatment for balanitis? Well, balanitis is typically caused by a candidal infection, and the treatment is typically with topical clotrimazole cream. Changing gears entirely, can you list the five components of the modified Centaur score, and how do you apply the score to patients? In the modified Centaur score, you get one point for tonsillar exudates, one point for tender anterior cervical adenopathy, one point for fever by history, one point for the absence of a cough, and one point for age less than 15. For age over 45, you subtract one point. For a score of 0 or 1, you treat supportively. For a score of 2 or 3, you can do a rapid strep test and treat only if positive. And lastly, for a score of 4 or 5, you treat empirically. The mainstay of treatment is amoxicillin. 
Nice. And what virus is commonly associated with erythema multiforme? We touched on this in episode 15. Herpes simplex virus is the most common infection associated with erythema multiforme. Hepatitis C can also be associated with erythema multiforme, but that's typically in the setting of active treatment with telaprevir. Awesome. So that wraps up the ID topics we covered. Why don't you continue with some of the musculoskeletal topics we covered in episodes 1 through 15? All right. Remind us of two different techniques for reducing a nursemaid's elbow. Well, you can reduce a nursemaid's elbow with either supination followed by elbow flexion or with hyperpronation. What's the first-line treatment for an acute attack of gout and which long-term medication is contraindicated during the acute event? NSAIDs are definitely the first-line therapy of gout, and steroids can also be considered. Although there's mixed research on this, classically allopurinol is contraindicated during an acute presentation for fear of worsening the attack. Which type of crystals are associated with gout and which crystals are associated with pseudogout? In a gouty arthropathy, you would expect to find negatively birefringent crystals on joint aspiration, whereas during an attack of pseudogout, you would expect to find positively birefringent crystals. Remember that gout typically affects the first metatarsophalangeal joint, whereas pseudogout most commonly affects the larger joints like the knees and ankles. All right, and I have a multiple-part question here to wrap up the musculoskeletal section. What's the most common complication of an anterior shoulder dislocation, and what nerve is most commonly damaged, and how do you test its function? The Hill-Sachs defect is definitely the most common complication of anterior shoulder dislocations, as it occurs in 40% of cases. Don't forget that the Hill-Sachs defect is a depression fracture of the posterolateral surface of the humeral head. It's often confused with a Bankart lesion, which is a fracture of the anterior aspect of the inferior glenoid rim. And lastly, the nerve you're referring to here is the axillary nerve. Its function can be tested by arm abduction and sensation over the deltoid muscle. Next up, we're moving on to some neuro. There's only a few questions here, so I'll get us going. How do you treat a severe myasthenia gravis crisis? Severe cases of myasthenia gravis can be treated with IVIG or plasma exchange. Although not a cure, symptoms can be decreased by cooling. And don't forget the edrophonium test, which can be used to make the initial diagnosis. Which kidney disease is related to an increased incidence of subarachnoid hemorrhages? That would be polycystic kidney disease. Up next, we have Bell's palsy. What's the most common cause of a bilateral Bell's palsy? Lyme disease is the most common cause of a bilateral Bell's palsy. Remember that a peripheral facial nerve palsy can be distinguished from central ones based on involvement of the forehead. All right, now we're talking VP shunts. Is obstruction more common proximally or distally, and what causes each type of obstruction? VP shunt obstruction occurs proximally more frequently than distally. Proximal VP shunt obstruction occurs due to choroid plexus obstruction or increased protein within the CSF. Distal VP shunt obstruction occurs due to abdominal pseudocyst formation, which typically presents with abdominal pain due to the large size of the cyst. Nice. And how do you treat a radial nerve palsy? Treatment for a radial nerve palsy is supportive with a wrist splint. All right, and last one for the day. Describe the Marcus Gunn pupil seen in multiple sclerosis. A Marcus Gunn pupil is just another term for a pupil with an afferent pupillary defect. So when a light is moved from the unaffected eye to the affected eye, the pupil appears to dilate. So that wraps up part two of our three-part pre-in-service rapid review. Stay tuned for part three coming out soon. 